that have come through the Durham Rescue Mission since 1974. And in October, we are going to have a special banquet to celebrate God's faithfulness for 50 years. And we are offering a table to our supporting churches and uh, eight guests can come and uh, we would love to have your church represented at the banquet this year. There's no charge uh, for the table. Of course you know we're going to take an offering at the banquet, but we're not charging you to come. And all the funds raised at that banquet will go to renovate our women and children facility, the Good Samaritan Inn. So we hope you will join us on October 11th. We've already heard that our Lieutenant Governor is going to join us at a reception at 5.30 at the Sheraton. And then on Thursday, we found out that the governor is coming to the dinner at um, 6.30 on that, that night. So we hope you will uh, come and join us and be part of that celebration. And here you see on uh, the slides, we, we think often of drug addiction as being in the big metropolitan areas, uh, New York, Los Angeles, uh, those places. Well, North Carolina is being affected by the opioid uh, uh, crisis that's in our, our nation. And I, a group, a healthcare group in San Francisco, did a study, uh, Castlight Health, and they wanted to identify the top 25 cities in the nation for opioid abuse. And unfortunately, North Carolina has four of those cities. Unfortunately, the number one city in the nation for opioid abuse is Wilmington, North Carolina. And then you see that Hick is number five and Jacksonville 12 and Fayetteville 16. What our state is being affected by this epidemic and just last week in the News and Observer, it shared a report that North Carolina is the second leading state in the nation for overdose of drugs. North Carolina. So there is a need and for the gospel to be shared with people that are battling addictions. And we want you to know the Durham Rescue Mission is here to be an arm of this church to reach your loved ones uh, or others. I know co-workers, a lot of time we spend more time with our co-workers and we do our family and we often confide in one another when we're having problems in our lives and so a co-worker may have confided in you that they've got a loved one addicted. Share these materials with them. Let them know there is hope and help available at the Durham Rescue Mission. Well, we want to share some accomplishments with you. Um, last year, 64% of the homeless in Durham chose to come to the Durham Rescue Mission, and we are faith-based. We proudly share that we proclaim the gospel 
as the way of helping a person overcome the addictions in their lives. The Durham Rescue Mission also helps our clients get jobs, which is not always easy because of drug addictions, uh, criminal background, felony records. But last year, 242 people got jobs through the Durham Rescue Mission's uh, temporary employment agency. And then uh, when the rescue mission started out in November of 1974, we could take care of 12 men. In January 19th of this year, it was one of those cold, and that's when Alex came in to the rescue mission in January when we had that cold spell and we had snow and ice, we got up to 499 men, women, and children. I said, I ought to send Ernie over there and checked him in so we could have had 500. <laughs> but it was 499, so the ministry has really grown. But the greatest thing we want to share with you is last year, Next slide. We had 678 people who accepted Christ. And you had a big part in that. And we really appreciate you being part of the ministry there. And I think time-wise, I'm going to stop there. But after the service, we'll be at the table. If you've got any questions, or anything, you please stop by the table. We'd be glad to talk with you. Thank you. It is a, just a blessing to be with you, and truly, as uh, Reggie sung in his song, we thank you for giving to the Lord. Uh, uh, not only were their lives changed through salvation, most of those are rededication, my life's been changed also because you've really helped me to fulfill that ministry that God has given us to uh, preach the gospel to the poor. And, and that's the verse I use as my life verse over there in Luke to uh, preach the gospel to the poor. But uh, you had a, a big part of that. And uh, uh, our ministry is based totally upon the Word of God. The Bible says, you know, in Romans uh, 1 there, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. you got a loved one that's struggling with addictions or just sin or just not saved. It is the Word of God that's going to change their lives. It's not anything special that you're going to say. It's not any special wisdom that you come up with from some psychiatrist or some psychologist. It's the Word of God that is the power unto salvation. Paul said over in Timothy, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable unto, uh, for, uh, reproof, for, for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may become perfect, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly furnished, completely furnished 
unto all good works. Listen, it's the Word of God that's going to change the life of our loved ones. It's the Word of God. That's one reason in these 50 years of ministry, we have never, we have never, not one time, ever asked a government official for, well, maybe the official to give his private donations would do that. But we've never asked for a government dollar, not one time have we ever asked the government to uh, support the rescue mission. Because they, they will forbid us, they will tie our hands in sharing the gospel with those that come in us. So we've never done that. And But God has proved himself faithful. He's the faithful one. He's the faithful one. He's... God's met all those needs that we've had there at the rescue mission. He is faithful. And He'll be faithful also to save your loved ones and those others, those co-workers that you have. God's faithful uh, to do that. Now, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8, if you would. Uh, Luke chapter 8. And, and it's a uh, passage here. And, and basically, you've been helping us now for these 29-some years. And uh, we, we want to be a help to you, uh, with some of you, with your love. You know, I'm running across so many, not so many, but I, I'm running across Christians that maybe uh, went to the doctor, had their wisdom tooth removed, and they gave them opiates, you know, because of pain. And, and, and uh, they needed something for pain now. I'm not, mis I'm not saying that. But the doctor gave them uh, opiate drugs for that pain. And before they realized, they were addicted or back pain, or, or other things. I know I, I had kidney stones uh, about six years ago. Six, I, I forgot how long it ago. I mean, the pain was so bad. I, I, I said, honey, give me something or shoot me, one or the other, you know. I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever had kidney stones, but uh, I mean, but yet uh, we've got to be very, very, very careful uh, when we're messing with that high-powered stuff that's addicted out there. The doctor is beginning to cut back in how much they're beginning to give now. And, and I like that. Uh, but yet that has really fueled the rescue mission, people coming to the rescue mission a whole lot also because they got addicted, then they couldn't do their job, then they got fired because they got fired, then uh, they, they lost their home, uh, they, they wound up on the streets. And then they wind up at the rescue mission there. So uh, be praying for us there. Now, here in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to bring a message. So often, we as Christians, if we've got a loved one that is addicted out there, so often we lose hope that they will ever change their life. I remember my, my dad was addicted to alcohol. My dad was a sharecropper down in eastern North Carolina, a sharecropper, bootlegger, and he drank the alcohol that he sold. And, and he died at the age of 40 with cirrhosis of the liver. I never saw my dad in church. I never heard my dad pray. I wasn't a Christian when my dad died. I became a Christian when I was a, 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 a teenager, uh, 19 years old, after my dad had already died. And the Lord just laid the addicted person on my heart as my ministry. You, most of you think of my ministry as a homeless shelter. And yes, we are. But that's not, that, that's not really my calling. My calling was to help those that are addicted. And I just use a homeless shelter as a place to get them in because they need food, they need clothing, they need shelter while I can share the gospel with them. Do you know how much gospel message that we actually share at the rescue mission? The Victor Gaiselles right there, they're in class. They're in Bible class 
20 hours a week. Five days a week, four hours a day. They're in almost like a Bible college. I mean, uh, they're spending 20 hours in the book of Romans, learning the book of Romans. I think you're in Proverbs now. And, and they're, they're spending 20 hours learning the book of Proverbs. And so we, we it basically a miniature Bible college. So 20 hours uh, in, in a Bible college. Then we have a morning devotion. Uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday, we have a morning devotion. So they're to get their day going off right. Uh, so that, that, that makes it uh, 25 hours in, in a, a Bible study. Uh, then we have an evening service. We have an evening service uh, on, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday night. So that makes it 27. And then we have one on, a service on Sunday makes it 28 hours. <laughs> they're in the Bible per week. Because why? I believe it's the Word of God that's going to change the life. It's the Word of God. It is the Word of God that's going to give them that stability they need when they leave. The Bible says His Word would not return void. Major, major, major on the Word of God, and you won't go wrong. You won't go wrong. Okay, I, I mentioned turn to uh, Luke chapter 8. Let's stand. You've been sitting for a while there as we read uh, Luke chapter 8, and let's look at verse 26. I've, I've been in rescue mission work now. Come June, come June. I, no, June's already passed. So, so I, I, I started that June in June at the Winston Salem mission in Winston Salem. Uh, uh, 50 years. I have never, and I, and I say this to give you hope about maybe some of your loved ones that you think they will never get saved because of what they're living and what they're doing. In those 50 years, I've never met a person in as bad a shape as the guy I'm going to talk about today. And yet we see God saved him and God changed him. If God can save and change this person, he can save and change anybody, I believe. That's, that's what he's there for. Look here in, in, in verse 26. Uh, and, it, and, uh, and they are... And they arrived in the country of the Galileans, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothing, neither abode in any house. Sounds like he's homeless, don't it? Uh, uh, but in the tombs, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice, said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and with feathers, and he would break the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Father, we thank you now for Bethel Christian Church center. And Lord, all that they do for their members, all they do for the community, and Lord, just their faithfulness, we thank you for their uh, back-to-school efforts of, uh, of helping to stuff the bus. And, and Father, we just thank you for what they do for Lord, they, they just love people. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we pray now that we might be some help to them. And uh, Lord, we, we pray for their loved ones, their co-workers, uh, their neighbors that are, are struggling out in sin. And Father, we pray, help us to be able to reach out and help them. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated there. 
So we, we, we see here, so often, we as Christians, we lose hope that others will ever get saved because it's been going on for so long, and they have, I wouldn't say they've lied to us, but I, I can't tell you the number of times my dad would say, son, he said, I promise you, son, I promise you that this is my last drink. I'll never take another drink as long as I live. And I believe Dad meant it. When Dad said that, I believe Dad meant that. I, it had wrecked his body, and, and, uh, but yet uh, he wouldn't be sober much over a week or two or three at the most. And there would be Dad drunk again, you know. And it just broke my heart to see him in that kind of condition. But I believe he meant that, though. And, and, and you've heard that from other people also, that, that, that this is the last time they're going to do that. Or, and they apologize. Uh, and, and yet we see here... Uh, even Jesus Christ was rejected. He was rejected uh, by the demon-possessed man. The demon-possessed man said, Jesus, what have I to do with thee? And so he, he was rejected by the demon-possessed man there. Not only, and so often when we try to bring the gospel to a loved one, like I think Alex said, he, Alex said, you know, I, uh, I, I've tried that, Christianity, but I tried that Jesus bit. It just didn't work, you know. And so often we hear remarks like that from our loved ones, and it's almost like a dagger into our hearts when you hear that, don't we? And, and, and we think that they will never trust Christ. I mean, they just reject Him and, and all that we're trying to do to help them. Not only was He rejected by the demon possessed man, but let's look there in verse 37, uh, Luke 8 37. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Galileans round about besought him, besought Jesus to depart from them. So not only was he rejected by the demon-possessed man, but now the whole city comes out and the whole city says, Jesus, get out of here. We don't want your kind around here. You're upsetting our business. All the hogs died, the drowned. And said, Jesus, we don't want you here Leave us alone. You ever had your loved ones give you that pushback? Give you that pushback? And uh, they, 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 they don't want you talking about Jesus anymore. Uh, uh, they, they got a belly full of it, you know. Uh, and uh, don't, don't share it with me. I, I've heard all I want to hear. Uh, that Jesus bit is just not for me. Well, the demon-possessed man said, Jesus, what have I to do with thee? We see that the Galileans, they rejected Christ and told him to get out of the city. And some, so often when we're talking to our loved ones and we get kind of that stiff arm from them or we're talking with a co-worker or a neighbor and we get that stiff arm when we're trying to share the gospel. You know what one of the best things to do sometimes is just step aside for a few moments. What did they ask Jesus? They asked Jesus to leave. What did Jesus do? He went down to the seashore, got on the ship, and left. He just stepped. He didn't, he, he didn't forsake them. He's going to come back later on. And so often when we're talking to our loved ones, you know, so often the rhetoric, uh, you know, that argument gets going back and forth. And, and it's a, an argument. And, and the temperature gets higher and higher and higher. And uh, sometimes it's almost like it's going to be an explosion time. Sometimes it's best for we as Christians, when that starts to happen, don't, don't let the arguments get higher. Just step aside like Jesus did. Let it cool down. 
we don't forget about them, but we step aside and then that becomes a prayer time. That becomes a prayer time where we begin to pray and we let the Holy Spirit then to begin. You know, even though we step aside, the Holy Spirit can still be working on the heart, you know. And, and so it was with Jesus. He just step aside. But so often, even though they're given this stiff arm, people can change. Do you know that? People can change. Just because they say today, I don't have anything to do with that Jesus bit, that don't mean that circumstances won't change tomorrow. And the Holy Spirit began to work in their hearts tomorrow. And they look at everything with a new picture. Everything becomes a new picture to them. Everything changes in their life. And the Holy Spirit began to work on their hearts because you're praying for them on the other end. Now, now, now look at, at, at the, how people can change themselves. Uh, here, in uh, look in uh, verse uh, 35, 35. And they went out to see what was done and came, that's the city, uh, went out to see the people of the city, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I love this. Clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So now, that, that can be your loved one, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. See, the world don't think as we think. To the world, right is wrong and wrong is right. You know, that, that's how they think. But here we see this former demon-possessed man that said, Jesus, what have I to do with thee? Now he's saved. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's clothed in his right man. But how about the city? Now the city told Jesus to get out and leave them alone. And Jesus steps aside for a moment, leaves them alone, lets things quieten down. But what happens to the city? Uh, let, let's look here now in verse 37. Remember the city said, Jesus, leave us alone. Get out of here. Move out. In verse 30, 37, uh, then the whole multitude of the country of the Galileans. Oh, my page turned over. Uh, I said 40. Let's go to 40, okay? Verse 40. Uh, and it came to pass uh, that when Jesus was returned, remember they asked Jesus to leave, and Jesus just stepped aside for a moment or for a, sh a short time, and then Jesus returns. He returns. And, and it came to pass that when Jesus returned, the people, uh, uh, the, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Yeah. Woo! What a 180 degree turn. From Jesus, we don't have anything to do with you. We're scared of you. Jesus, get out of here and leave us alone. And just a few verses later, Jesus, Jesus steps aside for a moment. And then the, when he comes back, the whole city, I can see them. I can picture them in my mind, Pastor. They're they out on the seaside. They're looking at the ship. The ship's coming in with Jesus on it. And they're out at the seaside, and they're jumping up and down. Woo! There comes Jesus. Hey, come on. Yay! What made the difference? Had you thought about that? What made the difference from Jesus get out of here to, Woo! Come on. Yay! Here comes Jesus. 
I think any of y'all play basketball, I think it's almost like they were greeting them coming on the court, you know, uh, the way they were trying to greet Jesus. What made the difference? I think the difference really happened here in verse 38. Remember, they asked Jesus to leave. They asked him to leave to get out of their town. Jesus goes down and gets on the ship. But now the, the demon-possessed man has been saved. He's been saved. Now he wants to go and be with Jesus. Look what Jesus says in verse 38. Now the man, out of whom the devils were departed, besought him that he might be with him, that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, you know, uh, we all want to be with Jesus, don't we, physically. Wouldn't it be nice to be with him physically? Uh, and the lame man, I mean the demon-possessed man, wanted to be with Jesus. You know, when, when God saved us, the moment he saved us, he could have took us on to heaven with him right then, if he wanted to. But he did not. Why not? Because I believe he has a ministry for us down here. See, there are others that need to be saved. And if he took all of the salt and light out of the earth, there'd be nobody to share the salt and light or the gospel with those that are still left behind. Uh, look here. And he sought to be with Jesus, and uh, Jesus saith unto him, uh, and, and Jesus sent him away, saying, verse 39, Return to thine own house. Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Woo! I believe that's right there. That's what made the difference in the whole city now. The city that rejected Christ and now the whole city is, is gladly at the seashore waiting and inviting him to come in. If we just go to our own home, to our loved ones, our sons, our daughters, our grandkids, uh, our grandparents, uh, uh, our nephews, our cousins, our uncles, our aunts, and just share what great things God has done for us. Do you notice he didn't say go to them and tell them what great things you are doing for God. He didn't say that, did he? No, he, he said, go and tell them what great things God has done for you. It's God that's doing it. It's God that deserves all the glory for what's done there. And, and so that's what he did. He went out, he published throughout the whole city, and now we see they're coming out. You'd be surprised when you just step aside for a moment and pray, let the Holy Spirit work, you get in the Word, meditate on the Word, and then come back later on. Sometimes it can, it can be a big change in their lives. You know, there again is another time that uh, Jesus was rejected. And that is when they called him up before Pilate. And Pilate said, what should I do with Jesus? And what did they shout out? They shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. And they did. Uh, he, that was right at his death, his burial, and then uh, his resurrection. But so often, 
the last words that a person says means so much to us, a, a loved one that passed away. And, and so it was here with Jesus, you know, uh, over in Matthew. Uh, turn to that, if you would. Uh, I'll, I'll take time, because I think it's Matthew 28. I, I think that is so important to, uh, to get that. Uh, he, he said, uh, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now that's very important. Why? So often we as Christians, we feel like we don't have the ability to help our loved ones that are addicted. And the doctors and the lawyers and the psychiatrists, they will tell you if, 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 if you have an addicted loved one, they will tell you, just leave this to us. We're the professionals. We're the doctors. We're, we're the psychiatrists. Uh, we know how to handle this. But if they don't know Christ as their Savior, they can't do that. I'm not saying that they can't be a Christian psychiatrist. You know, they are, they are those. But if they don't know Christ as their Savior, they can have that big degree. But the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So it's in Christ that it all begins there. And, and uh, so here, he, he said all power, and Jesus said all power is given to him. In the very next words, he said, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I love this, I will be with you always. Now who's going to be with us? Jesus. But who is Jesus? Jesus now is all power. God said all power was given unto him. And so when we go, when we go to win our loved ones, we, we prayed about it. We're going in the spirit. You can rest assured that you do have the ability. It's not your ability. It's God's ability that's going with you. All power is going with you. Over in Acts, the same part that we're talking about here, 28, just, after, just before his ascension, uh, Jesus said, uh, but, but you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea. Now, where was Jerusalem to the Jews? Was that home? That was home. I mean, going back home is a lot throughout the scriptures, you know, how God can really use us there. So uh, don't let people intimidate you as a Christian that you can't be used by God to win your loved ones to the Lord. You can. You can. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask my victory choir to get ready to sing Rescue the Perishing. But I wonder, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, how many will say, Preacher, I have a loved one that is addicted, and I want you to help me pray for them. Preacher, would you help me pray for my loved one? Would you raise that hand? Yes, I see that. I see this one over here. I see this one here. I see that. Say, preacher, yes. I have a, yes, I see that one. Is it a cousin? Is it a nephew? Is it a niece? Who is it in your life? Preacher, I have a loved one that's addicted. Yes, I see that hand. Others? Slip it up if you would. Slip it up. Take it right back down. I want, yes, I see that. I want to pray for you. I want to pray. Anybody else? Slip it up. Take it right back down. I won't even ask you about your next door neighbor or your coworker. We all got them. We know we got them around us there.
Father, we pray now for these hands that was raised. And Lord, only, only, only you know the complete burden, the heartache that's there. And Father, you know the need. And Father, we pray for that loved one. Father, we pray that they will be saved. And, and Father, we, we, we pray for the Christian. Lord, give them that wisdom and, and that power that they need to go and win them to the Lord. Take and save them now. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Let's all stand and, and take your hymn book, if you would, uh, and, and turn to hymn number uh, 145. Hymn number 145. Fanny Crosby wrote a lot of the old songs in our old hymn, hymnals there. She was a blind lady. She was blind, and she would, she would go to the New York City Rescue Mission, and there at the New York Rescue Mission, uh, she would sing and then help with the altar call and things like that. She was at one night, she was able to lead this young man to the Lord at the altar. She went back home after leading that young man at the rescue mission to the Lord, and she sat down and she penned the words to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave, weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. I tell you what, as we sing this song, I want us to I want us to come, especially those of you that have loved ones that are addicted. I want you to come. I want us to pray around this altar. And I believe God can save those loved ones. I like to just fill up this altar and let's pray and for those loved ones as we sing, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying. Would you come? Would you come as we sing? Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep for the airy one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Look there in that second stanza. Isn't this very typical of our loved ones? Though they are slighting him, still he is waiting, waiting a penitent child to receive. And here's what we're to do. Plead with them earnestly. Plead with them gently. He will forgive if they only believe. Sing it. Come, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now, Lord, for Bethel, Bethel Christian Center and, Lord, for just their blessings. And, Father, we pray now for those that are came forward, those of us that have loved ones, those of us that have co-laborers. Yes. 
Father, we pray, work in our hearts and prepare us to just share with them our testimony of what great things God has done for us. It's not what we've done, but what you've done to And Father, we pray now, save those loved ones. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Let's remain standing. I don't, and we're going to receive an offering. If, if they will get the offering plates back there, someone get the offering plates. And I'd like for you to give as you go out. Because I really want to bless this ministry. I don't know if you've ever been at the corner of Maine and Austin or not. It is one of the most active corners in Durham for good. They have a facility there that's second to none. They work very hard. And for all they've done, it's just great. And then you can go from here to Raleigh out on 55, the thrift stores that they have and all of these things. They have so many that work for them. This on staff, some volunteer, but many, many, many people work. You say, what, what makes this so successful? I want to tell you where it starts at, what he preached today. That is a great sermon. And whether it's the corner of East Main and Austin or whether it's the thrift store or whether, whatever it's doing, whether it's the governor or the lieutenant governor, whatever's involved, Whoever's involved, it starts with the Word of God. Amen. That's the foundation of this ministry. And I appreciate a man that will come. You know, he, he, he wanted to thank us. He wanted to, to, to tell us the ministries Gail did and all that. But I appreciate a man that will open his Bible and turn to Luke and preach Amen. that kind of sermon. Would you thank God for it? I want you to give today if you, as you go out. If, you're in, if you make a check, you can make it out to Bethel Christian Center. Every penny you give in this offering will go to the rescue mission. But would you do that? Would you, would you write a check or, or, or PayPal or something out there in the foyer? Would you give a, a financial gift? And, and let's make sure we, we bless them today. It's actually no longer in the foyer, but if you do go online, BethelDurham.com, you can go to the give page there. Just make the designation out to missions and put in the memo line Durham Rescue Mission. Thank you. Let's, let's really let them know how much we appreciate them. And, and Pastor, thank you and your wife. This has been great. And I love the Word of God. I love to hear it taught and preached and ministered like that. It challenged my heart. And so we just appreciate everyone that so very, very much. Bow your heads. Father, Lord, it's been so wonderful to hear testimonies. Lord, I know the Apostle Paul, he had a testimony. Whether he was before King Agrippa, whoever, he never lost his testimony of meeting, you, meeting your son on the way to Damascus. Over and over and over and over again, Lord, he gave his testimony of how you changed his life. And Lord, to hear these testimonies this morning is life-changing for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for every member of Bethel Christian Center that love you, that give to you, Lord, through ministries around the world. We, Lord, we, we give to ministries, whether it's in Nicaragua, 
whether it's in, in India, whether it's around the world, we do that and have been doing it for 60-some for years. And we thank you for the membership of this church and their sacrifice and their giving. And we bless them. Lord, I thank you for those that we prayed for today, that their lives would be changed. And we believe that they'll be transformed through Jesus Christ. Bless in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You, shake hands and be real friendly, if you will. Thank you.